1: hey guys welcome to a very happy guilty as charged podcast this is tyler and joining me on this fine brady free day are jason and steven how are you guys feeling after the first wave of free agency
2: great fantastic uh awesome are there any more words stupendous all of those words all of the above
1: wow great guys all right well, let's get right more? into the big one that didn't <laughs> i don't know here's the big one that didn't happen let's talk about that tom brady has chosen tax-free irrelevance in Tampa Bay. My favorite part. Thankfully, yes, absolutely. I mean, I actually, thank Giselle and his kids apparently, because or Mark Wahlberg or whatever kept him on the East Coast because <laughs> apparently that was a big part of his decision. His deal is reportedly for thirty million dollars a year, guaranteed. So uh, I mean, gee, oh, is he it- didn't take a discount. I thought that. Uh, wait, thought wait, that was wait!
3: Happening? Tom Brady didn't take a discount. No, it's incredible. I am shocked.
2: Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm a
1: little shocked.
2: So selfish. But
1: I'm just what I want to talk to you guys about about this in particular because it's very we made it very clear we don't want this to happen. We've talked about it for weeks now. We do, we did not want Tom Brady to join the Chargers. It was really close to happening. I was a little nervous there. How how the hell did this get so close? Why did the Chargers even consider this? This was bad. When I woke up, when I woke up the other day
3: and it said that he was officially done with New England, I was terrified. Mm-hmm. And then you add into the you add into the mix of the Ryan Tannehill extension a couple of days ago. Like I was so nervous that it was going to happen. Now the Chargers were going to go from Philip Rivers to Tom Brady and be stuck with no cap space. Like it was so just it had me. I was so stressed all day yesterday, just on my phone checking it out and and updating Twitter. And it was just not a good day. Um. From Tom Brady's standpoint, from a football standpoint, like it makes sense why he would consider the Chargers because he's never pl- like we know he loves the slot guys and he's never had a slot guy like Keenan Allen. He's never had a running back like Austin Eckler. Like I'm sorry, James White, he's not even close to Austin Eckler. So from his standpoint, it makes sense why he would consider the Chargers. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, he just ultimately chose to stay on the East Coast and, and go
2: to Tampa Bay. I honestly cannot believe that he picked Tampa Bay. I was 90% sure he was going to go to the Chargers. Like just from what I was from what I was seeing and then you look at the roster talent and then you look at like just where the more popular team is. Like say what you will about the Chargers and the lack of fans. They're in LA and the buccaneers are in tampa bay and they've been a pretty bad franchise for forever. They've even had report like they've had their struggles with getting fans into the stadium as well. I know it's not as reported and nobody talks about them moving to london, but you know, <laughs> like they struggle as well to bring fans in. I'm surprised he picked tampa bay. I really am. Like I was 90% sure he was going to be a charger. The moment that he said he was leaving New England officially and like, the second I saw that it was between the Chargers and Buccaneers, I was like, God, crap. He's ai uh, am going to get some bad news in about 20 minutes here. That's how I felt. Yeah. And my yeah. phone died somewhere in the middle of all of it, and I was freaking out. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was so sure that when I plugged my phone back in, it was going to have bad news for me. And, um, look, people that wanted Tom Brady— And I saw some people that like completely just went off Twitter and they haven't been back on Twitter since because we didn't get Tom Brady. Look, I get, I kind of get, I don't get it, but I kind of understand why you, he would bring a winning culture. I get it. He's a winning quarterback. He's won so many Super Bowls. He understands how rosters are built. He would have roster control. So I kind of get why you would want Brady here. And even from Telesco's viewpoint, I kind of get it. But I just think it was the stupidest thing ever to try to go get him for $30 million plus a year. I just, Sure, they, he builds you a winning culture. We don't have Chris Harris on the team. You don't have Brian Balaga. You you don't have – there'd be problems. There'd be a lot of problems. And the Chargers still have enough room for a move or two. So, I mean, and with how Telesco operates, he's going to go find a couple, like, he's going to become Coupon Tom in a bit. He's already been Coupon Tom, like 10000000 million. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about that later, of course. But, I mean, he still has room to go get guys, and he would not have had room if he went and got Tom Brady. He wouldn't have. Chris Harris wouldn't have been a possibility. Brian Belaga would not have been a possibility. And if they were signed... Then you have problems in the future with Bosa, with Keenan, with King. There'd be so much more problems than that. Henry, would you be able to lock up Henry long-term? You don't know. Henry might have held out. I mean, tight ends don't usually do that. But, I mean, they're they're waiting for these extent. Brady was a bad idea. I'm just going to leave it off at that. Brady was a bad idea. It was not great.
3: Yeah, we said from day one that this team had a bunch of holes that they needed to address. They still have to address the linebacker depth chart. Like they still need to figure that part out. Um, but you add in Tom Brady to this team, and is it really that much of an upgrade? Like, does it really move the needle that much? I would never really thought that. And you have the Super Bowl champs in the division. The Broncos have and a very improving team with their franchise quarterback, Drew Locke. Even the Raiders have done some really great things, adding Corey Littleton and you know, shoring up that defense. And so you're going to be in a really tough division. And is Tom Brady with the Chargers roster from last year really enough to really put you as the favorite in the division, let alone the conference? I never really felt like it was. And so, like Jason's saying, to me, it just never really made sense from the Chargers standpoint. Like I said, it made sense why Tom Brady was considering them. And if Tom Brady wants a meeting with your team, like I understand why you have that meeting. But I never really—it just the logic behind signing Tom Brady was never there for me.
1: Here's the thing: it just doesn't make any sense. I don't understand someone like Tom a someone like Tom Telesco offering a quarterback thirty million dollars guaranteed a year. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand a head coach like Anthony Lynn, who has Tyrod Taylor on the roster, who likes guys like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, who just drafted Easton Stick, going for Tom Brady. That just doesn't that. I don't get it at all. I'm so glad it didn't happen, so I don't have to keep like figuring out why, Yeah, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. I have have no idea. People say it's ownership, and that almost seems like the right answer, because I can't come up with an answer for anything else.
2: Well, it kind of seems that way, because Anthony Lynn is one of the mobile quarterback. Tom Telesco has said that he agrees with Anthony Lynn, that he wants to go get Anthony Lynn's guy. That's the reason they extended Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn, you're finally getting your guy. So we'll extend you, and now you can put in. I don't get it. <laughs> I really don't. Um, and so I, I have to think it was ownership, which would have been a whole new problem because then Huge your coach problem. is unhappy, your GM is unhappy. It's what's happening to the Redskins all the time over there. The the, co- the sorry, the owner wants to come in, make a decision, and then the coach gets pissed off, and now you have Jay Gruden getting fired because he is a big old mess. So. Hmm. And it's just bad when you have ownership, GM, coach problems. I mean, even GM coach problems, because that's when you get Bill O'Brien, or it's uh, not great. You don't want O'Brien's Gosh, Bill running. O'Brien running. That was we kind of have to talk about that. It's not Chargers. Yeah, related. Yeah, let's talk about it. It's not Chargers I, related, but they just gave DeAndre Hopkins away for David Johnson and a second round pick, basically. Why?
3: I, I don't get it. And you look at all the like the recent history of receiver trades like even Stephon diggs like i love Stephon diggs he he's a great player but he's been the number two in minnesota pretty much and the bills gave up a first round pick for him De- and DeAndre even though beckham got two first round picks like the fact that bill o'brien couldn't get one single first round pick for i think that deandre hopkins is top three receiver in the, in the game and he mm-hmm. couldn't get a first round pick for him like that man and then he overpaid. He massively overpaid for Randall Cobb, like Bill O'Brien. He had to make
1: up for it. he got Randall Cobb.
3: Yeah, it makes no sense to me. Like, sure, this this draft is loaded with receivers, but you already have DeAndre Hopkins. Like, you don't trade. A, it was the same thing with the Raiders trading Khalil Mack. You don't trade an elite foundational player. Like, I just don't think you do that. And if you do, at least the Raiders got a first round pick. Like, what is Bill O'Brien doing?
2: I. DeAndre Hopkins, like you said, is a top three receiver, if not the best receiver in all of football. Yeah. Stefan Diggs, maybe top 10. How? How? <laughs> I don't understand. How? Who told him that was okay? Who did he walk up to in that front office? Him. Going,
1: He's the freaking GM. He, he told him something. Somebody that was had okay. to approve this, not <laughs>
2: him. Somebody had to look at him and tell him this is stupid. Don't do that. You know, if, if Keenan <laughs> Allen got traded for a second and a fourth and a running back, I would lose. Yeah, it. trade him to the Rams for Todd Gurley in a second. Ah! Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's exactly it, though. That is exactly what that is. That, oh, my God.
1: <laughs> and David Johnson's not
2: even very good anymore. Like, it just doesn't make Neither sense. Neither is to Todd me. Gurley, so that's like perfect. Yeah, my fantasy like, team found that out last year. Meanwhile, like, Austin Eckler is on the team. Duke Johnson over in Houston. I mean, Duke Johnson doesn't even touch Austin Eckler in that regard, but like, they have their receiving back. Everybody's saying, oh, well, they got a good receiving back. What is Duke Johnson then? Like, what does he do? Is he not... Re- He's a good receiving back. What is he... I don't know, man. Freaking GMs. I could do a better job. Someone needs to go and get the Sean Watson right now. and Get him out.
3: Tom Telesco, if you're listening, offer them pick number six and get Watson right now.
2: Houston's not going to do it, and I mean... If, no, if, if Deshaun Watson really wanted out, he would say it by now in today's NFL where you got Darius Slay straight up saying, hey, hope, hope Desmond <laughs> Trufant helps my trade process speed up. Like, Yeah, he's like, hurry it up and get this done. I want out. Get me out of this hellhole. I don't blame him, man. The Lions right. are screwed.
1: Let's move on to some Chargers news. Cool. All right. Yeah. So started a piece together, at least personally. There's a little bit of Tampa Bay news where it's like, okay, Brady is probably choosing Tampa Bay. We weren't really sure. But I really started to figure out that Brady wasn't coming to L.A. when they signed Brian Bulaga, because now it's like, okay, you just, you know, he signed him for three years, $30 million. You know, how much cap do you have left at this point? It really seemed like because they made that move, they weren't getting Brady. Uh, Let's bring up a few contracts before we jump to Bulaga. You got Eric Flowers getting a three-year, $30 million deal with the Dolphins. I'm going to butcher this. Hapulavati Vaitai. Five years, 50, George Fant, who, hey, I liked. I, I watched him on tape. He's nice, but, geez, three years, 30. And then Jack Conklin, more expected, the market setter. Or not really market setter, but the highest paid, three years, 42 mil. But, I mean, they got Bulaga for, like, the same price as Fant. That's ridiculous. How did, how did Tom Telesco pull this off? Bulaga
2: is maybe twice the player that Fant is, is the thing here. Yeah. Or that big V is. So, I mean, the fact that he got – Bulaga for 10 million a year is insane to me. Like you not only is he I mean Bulaga is a little bit older, but he he's had his moments where in his career where he's been an elite pass protector. When he's healthy, he is an elite pass protector. Mm-hmm. I thought right when they announced that they got Bulaga, I was like, all right, what are we looking at? Like 15 mil a season? Like, what is that what we're going for? Ten. 10 and the same thing happened with chris harris i was like all right what do we get him like 16 is that what we're going for no 10
1: another 10 unreal unreal yeah
3: the three for 30 that's incredible value and and that's just been the theme of the offseason um i did see that pro football focus had him as the 15th highest graded offensive tackle in the season last year so i think sam Tevy was like Seventieth, so <laughs> it really is a Jeez. massive upgrade. Like you know, pro football focus isn't the end all be all for determining how good a player is, but mm-hmm. the upgrade that the team is going to have at right tackle is massive. And Brian Belaga is instantly the most talented right tackle that the Chargers have had since Jeremy Clary. Like, oh my god, it's been a long mm-hmm. time since the Chargers have had this kind of player on the right and on the right tackle. So on the right side, now you have Trey Turner, you have Brian Balaga. That's an incredible right side of the offensive line and easily the the best right side the Chargers have had
2: in at least my lifetime as a fan. So here's the thing here with Telesco so far. He is not overpaid at all. And I've been seeing like, I'm sorry, I've been seeing these deals over the last what, week or so where I'm just like, what are these guys doing? The Bears are a big one. Like, the Bears traded for Nick Foles and took that contract. Ugh. The Bears signed Jimmy Graham, and you're just like, what is going on? Yeah. The Giants oh paid three years, $30 million for Blake Martinez, which, I mean, is such a Dave Gettleman signing because Blake Martinez <laughs> is a quote-unquote blue-collar guy. Generally means, hey, that's a, He's I, white. white like that white linebacker over there. Let's sign him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what blue-collar means, I guess. But, I mean, these deals are awful. And then yeah. you got Trey Waynes getting paid more than Chris Harris. Trey Waynes, I mean, I i mentioned him as a sleeper, but I said he was a project. I said he has so many technique issues. He's just a freak athlete, really, Trey Waynes. He got paid big money. We only paid Chris Harris $10 million compared to, I don't know how much he made. I think he made like $14 million a season. Uh man, I don't know how Telesco did that. That's pretty crazy. Like 10 mil a yeah. season. There were a lot of, uh, you know, just the Twitter outrage
3: crowd was, was out and well yesterday. And, you know, first of all, the Chargers were kind of handicapped on Brady's decision, so they couldn't have made any moves before yesterday. Not that and they would have. Not that they would have either, but I'm just saying, like, you're waiting because you don't know how much cap space you're going to have because of Tom Brady's right. decision. Right. Right. And then you know that Tom Telesco we have seven years of evidence of what Tom Telesco values. And that's you wait, you let people set the market, you let these people overpay for George Fant and for Trey Wayne's, and then you go get the guys who are valuable and who will still be a really big upgrade. And you know, a lot of people will point to Jack Conklin, but Conklin's been pretty inconsistent. I'm a big fan of his, but you know, I would rather have Balaga at three for thirty then Conklin for three for 45 or whatever he signed. so if you're getting an, uh, a player that's on an equivalent scale of talent, you know, give me the value play, give me Chris Harris, give me Jack Con or give me Brian Blog, excuse me, and give me Limon Joseph, like
2: those are all great value signings right, and I think the the key there is value. and I was having a conversation about this the other day. You don't pay your front office to go make splash signings. You pay your front office to find value, not overpay, and build a successful team. You don't find success by giving Jimmy Graham and Nick Foles a bunch of money. You don't. Mm-mm. You you find success by going and finding Casey Hayward and Brian Bulaga, who both came from the Packers. Thank you, Green Bay. Yes, that's that's where you that's where you make your money as a GM. Is you don't panic, you don't overpay, you find your value, and you move forward with that. And Man, they almost overpaid for one, though. I'll tell you what. They almost overpaid big time for Tom Brady. So Tom Telesco doesn't deserve all the praise here, man. Tom Brady saved us a little bit. Tom Brady saved the Chargers uh, uh, quite a bit because— I almost—go for it, sorry. I And I mean, people might not agree with this, but not only would Tom Brady hinder the Chargers' future, I just don't think he's that good anymore. I don't. I watch the tape. I don't even think he's that good. Like, if he was a star quarterback, still, if he was like the best, undisputed quarterback in the league, go get him. Pay him thirty-five million. I don't care. Like, go get him. The thing is, I don't even think Tom Brady is top twelve in the league anymore. And so, I mean, I, I just didn't want it. I didn't want it. The Chargers had too many holes to go do that. The Colts, they can go get Philip Rivers because they don't have that many holes. I mean, they need a receiver or two, but. They don't have that many holes, so they can go afford Phillip Rivers. The Chargers, they they couldn't deal with it anymore. They needed the money to fill holes, and now they have Brian Belaga. They have Trey Turner. Trey Turner needs to be involved in this as well because, I mean, that was a free agency move. Like, they went and got their guy in the offseason. They just didn't do it in free agency. They did it like a week prior before the market got too hot. And, man, it's been a successful offseason. It might be one he won the offseason out of any team. And I'm looking at all these teams with moves they have made. Uh, the Raiders come pretty close, unfortunately, Raiders for Raiders had a good off season. Yeah, yep. the Raiders have had a really good offseason. But I think ugh, the Chargers, man, the value is where they've won. They haven't op- overpaid. Because say what you will about the Raiders offseason, like how good it is, they did overpay for Corey Littleton. And they, like, they've overpaid for some guys. They went and got Marcus Mariota, uh, which, I mean, that's so weird. That's a win, though, because they need the competition there. Carr's a little too comfortable, and he just, you know, he's a good quarterback. I still think Carr kind of gets a little too much too much hate from Chargers fans because he's a Raider. I actually like Derek Carr. Uh, I think he's a really good guy, and I think he's a an above-average quarterback. So, I mean, the competition is good. I just think they overpaid a little bit, and... I can't think of an instance this off season. Maybe Linval Joseph. Maybe he overpaid a little bit. But I mean, when you look at some of the other, like DJ Reader, you're like, okay, I'll take it. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about Linval Joseph. Since you just bought him up, yeah. Instead of paying him what Reader got, four years, fifty three million, Ooh. got a pretty decent, you know, interior defensive lineman in Linval Joseph for two years, seventeen million dollars. I mean. We th- I kind of thought they would go more for depth at this position, like we talked about before, Sylvester Williams, Damien Square, bring him back, and they still could. I didn't expect, I wouldn't call this a splash, but I certainly didn't expect a Linval Joseph type, but I'm I'm very happy.
3: Yeah, definitely. It was a really good signing, and similar to, I think Brandon Meebane was a, a better starter at his position than Sam Tevy was. But going from Brandon Meebane to Linval Joseph, that's another big upgrade. And we've seen for the last few years... You know, 2018 is is kind of the outlier, but the Chargers have really struggled to stop the run in the last few years, and, you know, even last year, Joseph had a bit of a down year for his standards, but he was still really scraping around and making plays and just blowing people up, and um, actually watching him, I found my comp for Derek Brown. I think Derek Brown's comp is Linval Joseph, so that kind of worked out like that. But Linval Joseph, he's a disruptive force, and that's what the Chargers have not had in a long time at the defensive tackle position. And so this is really going to open up more opportunities for Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, Jerry Tillery, Justin Jones, to because there's going to be more attention focused on Joseph than there was on Brandon Meebane, and he's a better player. So I love this signing.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a good signing. Um, not the biggest vote of confidence for Jerry Tillery, but, uh, I mean, they're not bringing back Damien's – well, I mean, they might – But at this point, they haven't retained a lot of players. Like, a lot of those depth pieces, Adrian Phillips, Jalen Watkins, uh, Damian Square, Sylvester Williams is another one. Sylvester Williams I actually want back just because I kind of dream of some packages where you have Linval Joseph and Sylvester Williams together on that front. It'd be nasty. that would be nasty. But um, in terms of run defense, not so much a pass rush. Right. But, I mean... Now you're looking at Justin Jones, Jerry Tillery, and Linval Joseph. So you know, this is interesting. I, I like this. I like this. It's a little—the team looks a lot different right now on paper. That right side of the offensive line and then the interior of the defensive line, Justin Jones made a big leap. Let's hope Jerry Tillery does the same. You can rotate rotate those three guys, and then you can rotate Mosu with Ingram and Bosa. You know, there's a lot of rotation there on that D line now. And so the trenches, the trenches are looking like a big focus here, and I like it. I like it. I'm really excited. Um,
1: you think they're kind of done with the
2: Cortez Broughton experiment at this point? Nah, I'm sure they'll bring him back. He had a lot of he had a lot of spurts of like where you saw the talent there, and I mean I liked him as a seventh round pickup. So Broughton, unfortunately, he got mono because he made out with Sam Darnold, but um, <laughs> you know Broughton. I I, th- I liked what I saw, especially in the preseason there. He looked really good. Like, it looked like he belonged on an NFL roster. He did not look like he belonged on the field with the th- twos and threes. Like, it did not look like he belonged there. It looked like he belonged as a rotational starter. So, who knows what we see with Broughton. I mean, Tillery also looked special in the preseason. That didn't work out too well for the regular season. Uh, granted, Tillery did grow a lot in the second half of the season. Well, yeah. in the last quarter of the season, rather. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, by the way, after that inactive game, it was when they had Tillery as inactive, right? That's when he came back and started growing, right? If I'm not mistaken. So who knows? Maybe this is, and also maybe Linval Joseph is what Jerry Tillery needs. I mean, Linval Joseph might be a good mentor, mentor for him. I mean, we had Brandon Meebane there as well, but you never know. Sometimes, you know, you brought Steve Johnson, and then the Keenan Allen almost had a 150 reception season if he didn't, lacerate his kidney so I mean sometimes you just need a vet to come in and it changes the outlook of the team Brian Bulaga Trey Turner these two vets they might change you know that might be huge for Forrest Lamp Dan Fe Feen- okay thought in my head you have James Campen on the offensive line as the coach you have Trey Turner you have Brian Bulaga this is looking like a good group to surround Forrest Lamp and Scott Questenberry and Trey Pipkins like that's a lot of mentors there, a lot of guys that can that can teach you a lot as a young player. This might be James Campen might be the best addition for the Chargers this offseason. Like this, mm-hmm. it's kind of led to everything that's happened. Yeah. And they even said during yeah. the uh, the combine, I believe they said they were open to anything. Like they were open to to listening to James Campen when he said go get me this guy, or whether to change the scheme or not. And then like three days later, they went and got Trey Turner, and now they got Brian Bulaga. Man, I'm kind of excited for this offensive line, guys. This this might be really nice. It might might be nice. I'm excited. Could be nice. Well,
1: unfortunately, even though it's a nice offensive line, they will not have, or they currently do not have, a fullback. Derek Watt Aww. is gone. I'm a little bummed. I feel like I had a special connection to him that he never knew about. <laughs> <laughs> that's not creepy. And, and Stephen got to interview him, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, for a pretty like a charity event, right?
3: Yeah, he was doing a Christmas thing with, um, J.C. Penny, so I was pretty surprised they didn't bring him back. Just you know, for special teams at minimum, and you know, maybe this is kind of signaling that they don't really necessarily need a fullback. Which you know we were all three of us were watching film for Tyrod Taylor today, and um, you know if you're doing a lot of zone read and and the stuff from the pistol, you don't necessarily need a fullback. So. You know, I I was surprised that they didn't bring him back just for the special teams aspect. But, you know, from his standpoint, like he gets to go to Pittsburgh now. He gets to go play with his brother. So I'm happy for him. It sucks to not have him back, but I think it was a good opportunity for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, he gets to play with his brother. JJ Watt's probably going to go there because Houston has no idea what it's doing. So, (laughs) I mean, you're probably going to have the Watt trio in Pittsburgh. Um, That'd be wild. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun to watch. Uh, Too bad they couldn't be in Los Angeles, but, you know, (laughs) whatever. But I am going to miss Derek Watt. Uh, The special teams has a lot of holes to fill now. Nas was a, Nasir Adderley that is, was a really good special teamer when he was healthy last year in terms of like blocking on kick returns or being the gunner. He was really good in those areas. So maybe they looked at the film of Nasir Adderley last year. I know I watched those special teams like a hundred times because I have an obsession with Nasir Adderley being successful <laughs> as like 90% of Chargers Twitter does. So yeah. Really good special teamer. So maybe they feel like that, and then they tendered Michael Davis. Michael Davis is like 99% sure going to be a special teamer because if he plays over Chris Harris or Desmond King, I will lose it. But um, they'll find a way. They'll find a way to get him on the field. So – I mean, maybe they feel like they got something there. It probably means Nick Dezubnar is coming back, so that's fun. That's,
1: I was just going to bring that up, dude. <laughs> that's, oh, my gosh. That's
2: great.
3: Yeah, because you can't really rely on Tranquil playing. I mean, you probably should, but if Tranquil's the starting linebacker, then you're probably mm, not asking point. him to play too much on special teams.
1: Yeah. Or Jeremy Davis maybe helps him out.
2: That's the reason they traded Derek Watt. Or not traded. They let go of Derek Watt is because they're like, well, we can bring Derek Watt back, but. Then our favorite linebacker, Nick DeZubnar, has to go. So.
1: <laughs> the dude's a cockroach, man. He just won't die. Maybe, maybe they'll bring back. <laughs> did you see that Kyle
3: Jeez. Emanuel is coming out of retirement? So maybe they'll bring him back. I wouldn't be mad at that. coming out of retirement? Kyle, Kyle Emanuel.
2: Emanuel. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be yeah, mad Bert. at that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it just it just depends on what happens here over the next few weeks. Uh, but the special teams is definitely something they're going to have to address and, yeah, I mean, outside of Derek Watt, I wasn't too impressed with the special teams. Like, as the return guys, Desmond King took a huge step back. Um, and then you've got the kickoff return has never looked good for the Chargers. That's always been crap. Um, <laughs> kickoff coverage, punt coverage. We always seem to watch the Chargers implode in key moments and when, when you're doing punt coverage. Um, so I don't know, I'm, I've been really tired of the Chargers special teams over the last few years. Uh, so we'll see what they do there. Uh, but this does allow the opportunity of more, more UDFAs to make the team, you know, Derek Watt not being a key contributor there on their special teams anymore. Um, and they'll probably bring in a, you know, a new fullback to compete in training camp. But, um, with Tyrod Taylor, you, you probably don't need a fullback at all. You just don't. Uh generally what you do there is you find a more athletic. Well, I mean, yeah, you could probably use a fullback. Look at Baltimore with uh, Lamar Jackson. They got Patrick Ricard out there. I mean, you could you could use a fullback. I just screw you guys for taking Derek Watt away from me. <laughs> I can't believe this stupid Telesco. Worst offseason ever to fire him. <laughs> Right, 'Cause they're cheap.
1: They couldn't bring back their fullback.
2: <laughs> you he got a pretty good deal though. Three three and a half million Solid a year. Deal. Wasn't it? Or yeah. three and a quarter million. Yeah. That's pretty good. I'm I'm
3: him. happy for him. And I'll probably play more, honestly. Like the Steelers Please
1: use the, play him more. Come the Steelers
2: on. use their fullback a lot more than the Chargers have, so Especially once yeah, Tyrod Taylor think, hits the field. we're yeah. not gonna see a fullback like ever.
3: Yes, yeah, so I think that was probably was a big thing for him, just personally. He probably wanted to play a lot more than he was.
1: All right, so let's go over a couple of other things. We talked about Michael Davis. He's brought back on the second round tender. They also brought back Isaac Rochelle and Trent Scott on tenders. I can see why they retained both of them. They could also just cut them. So, you know, whatever. Davis is really the only really the only guy who's expected to maybe given the opp- be given the opportunity to start. But I imagine he and on are battling it out with maybe a, like a day three pick, undrafted free agent.
3: Yeah, I, I don't think that. I mean, Scott is moving down the death chart. And like you're saying with Michael Davis, yeah, I think he, he'll be given the opportunity to battle for a roster spot, him and, and Face on. And um, I still think that the position needs more depth. You know, I, I think having mm-hmm. Davis or Face on is fine. But like, you know, if you're starting Harris outside, like probably King on the inside, Hayward on the outside, like if one of them goes down, you know, knock on wood and hope that they don't but you know then you're again stuck with michael davis or brandon on starting so i would still prefer them to add a, a day three corner in the draft That it's bring some more talent to the position and and better depth why would
2: you even put that out there that they might get hurt i hate you i said knock on wood i don't want like i hate everything that you chose to say right there why would you okay Moving on. Sorry. geez, <laughs> Jason, you really went
1: sour the last last couple of minutes. I'm Woo. just saying, I'm just saying I want more depth. Yeah, no, I, definitely. I, I we can't do this again where we're, we're watching the Chargers roll out Michael Davis and he gets hurt, then he gets suspended. We're praying face on makes a leap. We can't do that again. That's, that Hayward deserves more. Unless they're putting ha- Harris on the outside, but I don't, I don't know. What do you, what do you think they're doing with Harris? And what do you think they're doing with he, King? He's really playing particular?
2: Harris played almost exclusively so? outside last season. And I know people are kind of liking to ignore it. So the, the argument here mm-hmm. from a lot of analysts is that Chris Harris is best in the slot. I would agree, but he did play ex- almost exclusively outside last season. Right? So, I mean, yeah, it, you could move him back to the slot and then try King outside, I wouldn't know. I think that's a terrible idea, because I mean it might work for King, but I mean slot. I mean that's where he's been all all his career, and I mean that change of direction is more King's strength. It's not speed at all. He's four six guy. Chris Harris is more of a four five guy. So I mean, I don't like King on the outside. I like King on the slot. Like I like we've been saying, we expect King to rebound. Especially with Chris Harris and Casey Hayward next to him. Because now King is gonna get tested a lot. Like they're gonna they're really gonna to try to test Tranquil and King and Kaiser White and Denzel Perryman. Those are the guys they're gonna target. And maybe Rayshawn Jenkins over the middle too. Probably that. So you know that that middle needs to strengthen a lot. I know Rayshawn Jenkins is elite, so we're fine, but <laughs> I feel the need to bring that up every time we talk about Rashawn Jenkins. I don't know why. I'm kind of salty about it. Like um, he's never called Casey Hayward elite, has he? He's called Sean Jenkins elite, though. No, not Derwin James, not Joey Bosa, none of those guys. And Sean Jenkins, jeez, that's definitely confusing. That was the guy that Anthony Lynn pounded the table for to draft. He was like, Telesco, you draft Tom, you draft Rashawn Jenkins. And now that Telesco did, he has to prove a point. I don't know. Elite it's just really hunting. curious.
3: Um, I think you, what probably ends up happening is you you know you bring Chris Harris in for the the added versatility that you can have because you could like you know give King ten slots on ten snaps on the outside and you give Harris ten snaps on the inside and um, like Jason is saying though I'm much more comfortable with Harris on the outside and King on the outside but I think you could you know say you're playing a team that has a better slot receiver like you know they played Tampa Bay for example this year. Um, so you can put Harris on Chris Godwin and, and I think that's probably a better matchup than Desmond King, or if you're playing the Patriots with Julian Edelman, you can put Harris on Julian Edelman instead of Desmond King. So it gives them some extra versatility that they didn't have. Like there was no way you were putting Michael Davis on any elite slot guy like that would have been really bad. But now that they, now that they have Chris Harris, they can mix it up and, and just add some more versatility and, um, you know, maybe you give Nasir Adderley some some snaps on the outside too. So, you know, it's just another playmaker. And, and really, what they needed uh, was just more talent on the outside. They needed more talent in the cornerback room to go alongside Casey Hayward. So, uh, you know, a lot of fans were kind of hoping Desmond Trufant was was signing over here. But at the end of the day, it's more talent, and that is definitely a plus.
1: I just like that he hates the Raiders, or he he squandered the Raiders and picked a picked a cheaper deal
2: for the Chargers. Like, yeah, love that. That was my favorite, and then all the Raiders fans were mad, and all the Broncos fans were mad, and I just <laughs> love it. And all the Chiefs, you know the Chiefs, every time a, tr- a corner is on the market, they're like, Chiefs, Chiefs, come to the Chiefs and play with Patrick Mahomes on a discount. Why does everybody assume? Why does everybody assume that their team is going to be the one where this free agent takes a discount? Like, hey, take a take a discount to come play with Patrick Mahomes, or hey, Tom, they Brady, have to they're going to take, pay Mahomes a ridiculous amount of money soon, right? Or yeah. Tom Brady, take a discount to play behind our crap put together line. That that's a great idea. Um, but talking about Chris Harris a little bit more here, you just, I mean, this secondary it almost makes me drool. <laughs> like, yes. get Simmons, like. When Steven was just talking about it for a second where he's like, you got Chris Harris and Desmond King and Casey Hayward, I was like, oh, my God. And it <laughs> gave me chills. And, and Derwin. And you got Derwin and elite Rayshon Jenkins patrolling the middle <laughs> of the field. So, I mean, it's beautiful. In I mean, yeah. now, now that you don't have to compensate for, you know, a, a bad corner opposite of Hayward, you can blitz King more. You can blitz Derwin more. You can blitz Rayshon and hope – crap sticks or you know it's just you know if you throw crap at the wall enough it'll stick at some point right <laughs> jesus <You've been laughs> born me huh? wow You've been born in quarantine huh
3: <laughs> but that's an interesting thing that Tyler's bringing up is the simmons at 6 because you know the lions are wanting to trade Darius Slay so you know a lot of people are pointing to them uh drafting simmons which they totally could you know they totally could add Isaiah Simmons but If they trade Slay, they still need a cornerback, so I think Jeffrey Okuda still doesn't play there. But then you have the possibility, like, say they take Simmons and Jeffrey Okuda is sitting there at 6, like, my God. Like, you put (laughs) – you swap Desmond King out, Chris Harris in the slot, and
2: Okuda on the outside. Like, oh, my God, that would be so much fun. It's all irrelevant because Jordan Love is getting drafted at 6, so (laughs) –
1: We'll matters. see, because it seems like their plan B is Tyrod Taylor, and that's I'm pretty excited that's for that plan, to be honest. fine with
2: me. So this yeah, is another totally. thing that's been announced uh, today. We've got a lot of stuff today. Like This stuff it's been went busy down. Day. Busy, busy day. Tyrod Taylor, the 2020 QB for the Chargers. Now, there were some kind of skeptics out there that were saying, It's a smokescreen. They want the Panthers to release Cam Newton because they want the Panthers to believe the Chargers aren't interested. I can kind of buy that, sure. Like, the Chargers are saying, we're not serious about Cam Newton. We're not going to go get him. So the Panthers are like, well, we have no suitors, so we'll just release him. Mm -hmm. Then the Chargers go sign Newton for the cheap, way cheaper than his $21 million deal or whatever. And then they have Cam Newton, which, I mean... I think at this point, I mean, I've been. I'm pro Cam Newton, but I like Tyrod Taylor more. Like, I'm okay with going and getting Cam Newton, but I would kind of rather roll with, into the season with Tyrod Taylor and draft a rookie than to go sign Cam Newton, have Tyrod as a backup, yep. and take uh, an offensive tackle at six. I I would rather take a quarterback at six. And I know everybody's getting like real hyped up about Isaiah Simmons and Jeff Okuda. And I mean, I get it. I'm really hyped about that. Like if either of those guys got drafted, I would be so happy. You don't understand. But I would feel more comfortable. I wouldn't be as excited, granted, but I would be more comfortable with drafting a QB at six, whether it's Love, whether it's Herbert, <laughs> and uh, whether it's <laughs> <laughs> Chua love. I I mean, I would, I would feel more comfortable knowing the future of the franchise is on the roster and not still yeah. somewhere out in yeah. the middle of space in limbo. So, I mean, I still am QB at six. I, I want a rookie QB at six. But, uh, yeah, Tyrod Taylor is the starter moving forward. I'm really excited for it. He has never had a roster this good. Don't let anybody freaking tell you that the Bills no, or the Cleveland Browns close. roster— can even compete with the Chargers roster. I we've had some people who must not be named um, that have compared like Sammy Watkins to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams to Robert Woods, and I'm just like, what? Excuse me, like makes no sense. <laughs> And then Charles Clay to Hunter Henry and LaShawn McCoy to Austin Eckler. And you're just like, what is going on? Like, what are you guys talking about? I don't, I don't understand. What is? It. And then Justin, they have Justin Jackson back there too. It's just this roster does not even compare to what Tyrod Taylor has had in the past. Even mm-hmm. the lines that he used to have sucked. Ryan Groy, our our backup backup tackle that sometimes comes in in heavy packages, was a starting center, okay, in Buffalo. Where everybody says he had a stacked roster and didn't perform. And, you know, in Cleveland he had David Njoku, who was always hurt all the freaking time and hasn't really figured it out yet, was a starting tight end. His only receiver was Jarvis Landry, and watching film today, he was like jogging half of his routes. Like just
1: Okay, I thought that too. I absolutely agree. 100%. they were jogging it out there.
2: Like they were it's like they didn't even care. They were just kinda like, uh, eh, Baker's gonna start in a few games anyway. I don't I don't know what it was that scheme was terrible we'll talk about I'm sure we're going to talk about that plenty over the next few minutes here but you know nothing that he has had in the in the past even close to what he's about to have and I'm super excited to watch him play like I really am his pocket presence is really impressive uh he has great poise he he will look downfield if you give him time and he does make those deep passes and he will anticipate these throws like he's a good quarterback will he like blow your mind no i mean in a day of patrick mahomes and you like you got jordan love and justin herbert coming out with a plus arms so it's like it's not he's not gonna blow your mind with his play but he is a solid quarterback and i don't understand how some are saying like start east and stick even over tyrod taylor uh mm. what i, I just, well the tyrod taylor hate has been a little too much lately and it's from some specific people. Again, I'm not going to name anybody here. I'm, I'm sure a couple of people know what I'm talking about. The the Tyrod Taylor either. hate <laughs> needs to needs to chill. All right, he needs to chill. And I'm going to keep showing over the next few days. Keep an eye on my Twitter. I'm gonna I'm gonna post stuff. And um, I've already kind of started a thread that I had to stop because I was in pain. Uh did take some acetaminophen just to finish the the drive that I was watching and good lord yeah. Hugh Jackson and Freddie Kitchens were
3: Yeah it was bad. I mean all three of us were watching the the film from Tyrod's days in Cleveland and so he's he started three games. He didn't finish the third one. The third was when he got hurt and he was sacked thirteen times in basically ten quarters of football. And there were probably like I put out this on Twitter and people thought I was exaggerating, I'm pretty sure I could go back and count that there were 30 plays that
2: Tyrod Taylor should have been sacked on. Oh, dude, if it was Phillip Rivers yep. behind that Cleveland line, that would have been a freaking it was, murder.
3: It was so bad. Like Everyone complains about the Chargers offensive line this past year. Go watch the Browns offensive line that Tyrod had to play with, and it is much worse. Awful. And then you take a guy like Tyrod, and you're thinking like, oh, Hugh Jackson, he's has this reputation of, being an offensive guru and a quarterback whisperer, right? Or at least did before Cleveland. And I counted one option read play that they ran with Tyrod Taylor. You know, they have him under center. They have him doing seven nine-step drops. They have him throwing deep. They, it was pouring rain the first game against Pittsburgh, and they had him throw it 40 times. Like, the coaching was just so poor. And I'm not sitting here and saying Tyrod is a perfect quarterback. I think he can succeed with the right pieces and coaching around him. But that was not the case in Cleveland. And his receivers were dropping passes. His running back, Carlos Hyde, was running into nothing, was running into the lineman's back half the time. The offense in Cleveland was so horrendous that there literally is no reason to blame Tyron Taylor. And everybody's like, well, what about the coaching staff? They shifted to Baker and it got instantly better. They fired their coaching staff. Then Freddie Kitchens got promoted And he ramped up the pace of the offense, did more shotgun stuff, which would have worked with Tyrod. It would have worked better with Tyrod, at least. So I don't understand the hate for for Tyrod. You watch his tape from Buffalo, and you see a guy that can be versatile. You can do pistol option with him. You can do zone read option. You can throw a deep. And like Jason is saying, he's never had the talent that he has in L.A. He's never had anything close. Sammy Watkins, he had a great rookie year. And then in Buffalo, he played – basically 30% of the snaps on the season every year after that. Yep. And Robert Woods, his best year in, in Buffalo was like 650 yards.
2: And let's be clear. When Sammy Watkins was healthy, I swear it was almost like every single week we saw a highlight where Tyrod Taylor hit him on a deep pass for a touchdown. Like yeah. every single week. I remember it like clearly when I would tune on the sports center or NFL network or some, I I swear I would see Tyrod Taylor throwing a fade to Sammy Watkins and Watkins, just catching it in the stride for a touchdown almost every single week. So I mean Tyrod Taylor can do it. He can do it. And yeah. you got to you got to remember too. They're probably going to add a receiver in this draft in the mid rounds or even early. So you're going to give him another weapon. Probably not too early, but I mean talking like early as in day 2 at the earliest. Uh so he's going to have a plenty of weapons and and this offense is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. If it's not successful, at the very least, it's going to be freaking fun to watch because you're going to get a lot of stuff the Chargers fans have not seen in a long time. Options, pistol packages. You're going to see a lot of designed QB runs. And we've seen maybe like a good QB run one time. (laughs) <laughs> in like 10 years <laughs> the playoff in game in baltimore. baltimore yeah yeah which was epic it was was amazing yes yeah. such a cool moment i've never been more excited i got up and i was like flexing on my tv i was like let's go let's go phil and you know it was an exciting time and it seems so like such a long time ago too but uh yeah shoot no really a lot happy. of
3: people are saying like you have a ceiling of eight and eight with tyrod and i'm like well first of all eight and eight's better than five and eleven Second of all, with this roster, you know, you've added these great defensive pieces. You've, you're have you potentially adding another receiver in the draft. Like, this roster is good enough to make the playoffs. And now with Tyrod, who's not going to turn the ball over 27 times, like, this roster is good enough to make the playoffs. And right. Tyrod Taylor is a good enough quarterback to lead this team to the playoffs. And, you know, we'll be releasing some clips. Each of us are going to go back and watch film on Tyrod Taylor and release the clips. Um Tyler's already done a good job of that, of of putting stuff out from Tyrod's days in Buffalo. So, you know, it's more than just the numbers. Like, it's a context thing with quarterback play. You can't just look at Tyrod Taylor throwing for 3,000 yards and say, oh, he's a crappy quarterback because he only threw for 3,000 yards. Well, there's all the rushing plays. There's the slower offense that they ran in Buffalo and a more defensive team. So the context around Tyrod Taylor matters. And like we're saying, he's never had these, these these kind of weapons around him.
1: Yeah, context definitely matters. There was—I'm not—I'm not—I—I I really thought about ranting about this, but I'm not. There was a tweet that I saw that was almost personally insulting. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to bring up one thing because I guess the, the tweet in question talked about how he was a, a less than stellar passer, I guess, and using numbers there—that's my vague way of explaining the tweet. I just want to talk about this. Let's talk about passing attempts. And I know, I don't know, here we go. For reference, Rivers has not thrown the ball less than 500 times since 2009. Last year, he threw it 591 times. Brady, who was, you know, we'll talk about him because he was just tied most recently to the Chargers. He threw it under 500 times just twice this decade. And in that decade, he threw it over 600 times, five times. I mean, can you guess where I'm going with this? The more you throw... The more yards, the more opportunities you have to generate yards and throw touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, want to guess how many times Brady threw it while Taylor was in Buffalo? In those three years he was in Buffalo, he threw it 1,637 times. Do you want to guess how many times Taylor threw it in that span? That would be 1,236. So he threw it 401 fewer times than Brady. The volume's not there. He threw it 400 less times. Of course, he's... I can't talk about the tweet, so I'm just saying he. Of course, he's lower than those. He's low. Or what am I trying to say? He's not
3: putting up the numbers that the other guys are.
1: Yes, exactly. And I just don't think that's entirely comparable. And you also have to include rushing yards. There, that's my way of getting around that tweet without talking about it. But that was just, I just don't get it. I I don't get it. I don't know. I'm, I'm done talking about it because I'll just go on a full rant.
3: Well, it's also important to point out in this in the majority of Tyrod's time that he was in Buffalo, Rex Ryan was the head coach. Yeah. And Rex Ryan, what does he like to do? He likes to run the ball 45 times a game, play defense, shorten the clock. And so you're not giving Tyrod the, the pace of play that he probably needs in order to succeed. So um, with Anthony Lynn there, once he got promoted to offensive coordinator, like the pace ramped up. They did more zone read options and things like that. So, and then you had Sean McDermott, who never really had faith in him for whatever reason, because apparently Nathan Peterman was better. I never oh understood God. that. And so, it's so funny when Charger fans bring up like, "Oh, he got benched for Nathan Peterman." Yeah, and then what happened? We all watched what happened. <laughs> we yes, all watched there. the six interceptions in the first half of that game. So, and
2: then and then I kind of got scared though. And then I kind of got scared because they brought Tyrod Taylor back in in the second half. And like the very first drive he was in, he was like driving it down the field. I was like, oh, and and that was back in the days where we would pull chargers all the time. So the quote unquote pull of chargers. I know everybody (laughs) remembers that. That was fun. So, I mean, (laughs) it's like when you, you, man, I can't believe they, I was so mad at Buffalo, by the way, when they did Taylor like that, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, Taylor was dragging that offense. It was like he had that offense on his back, and he was trudging up Mount Everest in the freezing cold, snowing Buffalo weather, and as this, as this coach poked him with a stick. And it was just like the second they pulled him out and put in their guy, that guy went out and threw five picks in one half, and the Chargers were murdering that team. And it wasn't just the yeah. quarterback. Those receivers didn't want. To, one of the corners retired after that game, or during the game. The, I think that was a different game, though. That was yeah. That was I think. Oh, that's that right. A that, was, that was that was that was the season after. Okay. Yeah. The yeah. former Colts corner, What's Vontae Vontae Davis. Thank you. Anyways, the Chargers destroyed that team, and you know their offensive line was getting destroyed. Their receivers were getting smacked. Desmond King was going off. Casey Hayward had two picks. And it was just, oh, man, that game was brutal. It was brutal. a massacre. It was brutal. And Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram were terrorizing both Taylor and Peterman. But then P- Taylor walks back in in the second half, and they look like a competent football team, and they put up 24 freaking points. And it's just like, man, I don't know how you can no. put it any better than that. Right there. Yeah. That game is the perfect description of how much Tyrod Taylor carried that team.
3: Yeah, and then you talk about then you talk about him as just the kind of person he is and kind of competitor is like he got benched for Nathan Peterman, and then he took the team to the playoffs. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And like if you're talking about playoff droughts, like the Buffalo Bills had an extremely—I don't remember exactly how long it was—but they were, were had a very long playoff drought, and Tyrod Taylor is the one who ended that. And so, like you guys that are talking negatively about tyra taylor like you can talk about him all you want but i mean that has to count for something like the amount of competitive nature and drive that he has has to count for something and if it was josh allen on the roster and they had him for josh allen but like that would make sense but benching him for nathan peterman i never understood that
2: that was a and crap it, move
3: Right, and they were 5-4 and four before that game. Yeah, it's not like they were 0-7 or something like that. Like, it didn't make any sense.
2: Like, it's kind of like Bill O'Brien against DeAndre Hopkins. Don't let your personal vendetta against a player just because you don't like him affect your coaching, man. And that was just a piss-poor move to, to bench Tyrod Taylor to bring in Nathan Peterman when he obviously was not ready. Like, that no. was just awful. That would be... That would be equivalent to kind of like benching Phillip Rivers for Easton Stick last year, just because you like Easton Stick more. <laughs> you can run the football, <laughs> like good God, like, I don't get it, man. Like, I'm I'm really happy that Tyrod Taylor is a starter because he's been through a lot and he's played with a lot of crap rosters, and he finally gets a chance to say, to just relax and say, this is my team. I'm going in here and I'm going to show what I can do with a talented roster, a talented defense, and I hope he kills it. I really do. Yeah. Will he kill it? I don't know. I think he will, but uh, I hope he does. He's at least set up to kill it. The coaches believe in him. The
1: roster's there for him. They've built a line for him. They're going to get him a receiver. It's the first time he's finally got an entire organization behind him, and maybe there's a draft pick behind him, sure, but they've at least got full faith in him that he's going, and they're paying him you know, a little bit, so that's great. But they've they've finally all behind him for the first time ever in his career.
2: And I'm really excited to see where that goes. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if they just said, I mean, I'm advocating for QB at six. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if they just said, nah, screw it, Tyrod's our guy. And just built Go up for it. I'm all built for up it. an offense around him. I th- I mean, a lot of Chargers fans would be pissed off. I think it'd be kind of cool. I mean, yeah. I think that'd be kind of awesome. Like give him Andrew Thomas at six or Tristan Wirfs and give him Jalen Rager or Brandon iuke or KJ Hamler, and just say, "Here's the keys," and just floor it. That'd be cool. Yeah, if it doesn't
3: work, he's done in a year. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the Bills, the Bills, in the years that he played there, they won a lot of games. Like they established the culture for the future. So starting Tyrod Taylor for the next two or three years, like it's not the worst thing. It's not the worst idea in the world. And there's this notion that you have to take a quarterback at six because it's the you know, you're know, you never going to be that high again is what people are saying. And I get it. Right. I think that the smart decision quarterback-wise is to take a quarterback at six because that's the way that this draft is set up. But you, t- you take Isaiah Simmons, you take Okuda, you take Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills or somebody, you build up this roster for the next three years to go for it with Tyrod. And then in 2021, you say, you know what, we're going to draft a quarterback this year. Like, that's Jamie fine. Mube. like yeah, like, that would be a really good thing. So, like, there are worse ways to go about playing the quarterback position than with Tyrod Taylor. And with this roster, you know, you don't need a Patrick Mahomes, a Philip Rivers. Like, obviously, if Patrick Mahomes were on this roster, like, that would be fantastic. I love Patrick Mahomes. He's the MVP. So, but you don't need an elite quarterback with this roster, is what I'm saying, to succeed. Like, Tyrod can take this team to 10-11 wins and make the playoffs and make a run at, uh, you know, a really successful postseason.
2: You know, I've seen a lot of Tyrod Slander, and I'm just gonna say it right now: I would rather have Tyrod Taylor than Tom Brady if you're paying them the same amount of money right now. I, I would rather have Tyrod Ooh. if you're paying. <laughs> if yeah, if you're Honestly, paying them, I, I would too. Let's say in theory you're paying them both 10 million. Impossible, but let's say you're paying Tyrod Taylor 10 million and you're paying Tom Brady 10 million. I think Tyrod Taylor is a better quarterback right now. That's just my th- that's that's my thought on it. I watched Tom Brady last season. I didn't think he was that good. And you know, you got a lot of Patriots guys on Twitter, like a lot of Patriots analysts and and fans that are big names. You got like uh Brad Kelly and Andre Weingarten. I mean, they're they're very pro Brady. They're trying to defend Brady and they they show some good clips on it, but man, you pull up a game on Tom Brady in the last four games last season, that was bad. Mm-hmm. That was really bad. Like yeah. he was struggling to get the ball downfield and he was struggling to fit it into tight windows. And his last throw as a Patriot was a pick six. And it was just an awful read. It didn't have a lot of zip on it. And, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sorry, but there was more reasons than just $30 million that I didn't want Tom Brady on the Chargers. I just don't think he's that good anymore. Don't let the name fool you. There's a there's a saying that I always refer back to when Jordan Reed said it. And he said, don't let the logo define the player that you're scouting in college, right? Just because other USC quarterbacks don't work doesn't mean Sam Darnold won't work. Just because other Oregon quarterbacks have failed doesn't mean that Justin Herbert is going to fail. Um, and I think that kind of applies for Brady and his name. Don't let his name tell you what how he's going to do on a different team. We don't know what he's going to look like post chick we don't. We don't know how he's gonna look with different receivers, different styles. He's like he's never had a Mike Evans where the guy completely relies on 50-50 balls, really. You know, Randy Moss was not a guy that relied on a fifty fifty ball. He had a full arsenal at his disposal. Wes Welker was a separator, Julian Edelman a separator. You know, these guys are not. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are not like the receivers Brady has really worked with in the past. Chris Godwin, I would say, is a little closer to what he's worked with. But Mike Evans, I don't know. O.J. Simpson? Dude kind of sucks, to be honest. So, I mean... O.J. Howard, you mean? Oh, sorry. not o. I was going to say, like... <laughs> Did I say O.J. Simpson? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he sucks, too. So, that fits. <laughs> if the glove fits, then oh he sucks. Oh, my gosh. So we'll leave that in because that guy sucks Jason too. Jason went there. <laughs> OJ Howard, we'll, we won't leave that in. Maybe we will. I, I, OJ Howard is oh, not we'll even close. OJ Howard, is you can't All leave like an OJ <laughs> Simpson talking there. <laughs> but even even OJ Howard's kind of sucks at this point. I mean, he hasn't shown anything. And so you don't know what you're going to get with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. You don't know what you're going to get in Los Angeles. I mean, Keenan Allen's a lot closer to what the guys I mentioned, like Edelman and Welker. But, I mean, you just don't know. And I don't want a guy that's going to have to rely on those little in routes and option routes all the way down the field at this point of his career because he just doesn't have the zip to fit it into those tight windows anymore you know Keenan Allen really excels at getting in between the linebackers getting a ball into a tight window and somehow getting yards out of it that's that's Keenan Allen's forte and so then if he can't get those tight window throws anymore then I just I don't understand the fit there uh, in terms of him as a player I I think I would rather have Tyrod extend plays allow Keenan Allen to find space you know you you put Tyrod Taylor in there and you have him scramble around and have Keenan find space. Keenan is a genius. You know, his yeah, route running absolutely. is talked about all the time. He's one of the smartest receivers in the football. In the football. In the football. <laughs> 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 he's one of the smartest receivers in the NFL. And he always knows where to go. There's He always finds the gap. You know, he's really good at the option routes of do I go out or do I go in? Uh, Do I turn up field? Do I stop right here? He's so good at it. And if you pair that up with Tyrod's ability to to manipulate the pocket and get out of trouble, you're going to see a lot of really good connections between Tyrod Taylor and Keenan Allen. I'm telling you guys. Keenan Allen is going to have so many plays where he runs across her, realizes that Tyrod's escaping and then turns it around and takes it in between a corner and a safety for a big gain. It's going to happen like a dozen times. I'm telling you it, it's such a perfect match him and Tyrod Taylor. And then you add Mike Williams to it. We saw what Tyrod Taylor can do with Mike Williams in the preseason. The very, what was it? The very first drive that Tyrod was, or was it his very first pass? And then he yeah, threw I it. I think for it was a, his first pass in Arizona, right? Yeah, I think so. It was like a thirty-yard uh, back shoulder fade to Mike Williams, and we were like, "Oh crap!" Like that was that was really nice. And so, I mean, he can do it. I his, this offense fits him so well. You got Hunter Henry; he loved Charles Clay up in Buffalo. So, I mean, that's it's such a good fit, guys. I'm really excited to see Tyrod Taylor work, and I, I'm really happy to see him finally in an offense that can allow him to thrive. I feel like we need to stop talking about Tyrod Taylor because we've been talking about him for probably a half hour now <laughs> and a lot of great things happened this week. So I'm just, I'm just really happy that
3: Tom Brady chose Tampa Bay. Like the fact that the chargers were able to go and get Brian Bulaga and Chris Harris and Limah Joseph and, and Trey Turner even, you know, it just makes me so happy. Like Tom Telesco had a good, has had a very good to great off season and it's just been the value signings that the chargers have needed to be able to beef up this roster for Tyrod or for whoever they draft at, at six. And so I just think the Chargers are in a much better situation than if they had taken a chance on Tom Brady, like Jason is saying. I, I, and to echo what he's saying, I don't understand the fit in Tampa Bay. Like I know he wants to be closer to New York, but you know Tom Brady has made such a living at playing the quick game and getting the ball out so fast and being so smart and, and dinking and dunking. That's not really what Bruce Arians wants to do. And that's not what Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and OJ Howard are good at. So that's going to be really interesting. Um, the other thing that I also wanted to talk about in our short time that we have left is uh, Philip Rivers signing with the Colts. I think um, you know that's something to talk about with our forever quarterback number one, and and I think it's such a good fit in Indianapolis. And they're really going for it. You know, they traded their first round pick for DeForest Buckner, so they clearly view viewed their team as being a quarterback away. And uh Philip Rivers, you know, he's going to have a good opportunity to go there and win some games for them.
1: It's perfect. I'm so, I'm so glad he's going there. It's easy. That was the easiest bet of the offseason yeah. where a player was going to go. So I'm happy to see him with, you know, some something that he wants because he left for his own reasons as well. You know, with coaches that know him in a city, you know, that's used to pretty good quarterback play for the last twenty years. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for him, and I'm glad. Like you mentioned with Tom Brady, I'm glad they didn't sign him because to me that just feels like a total slap in the face to Rivers. And Absolutely. And the, you know, the way they handled the way they handled his departure this whole time, no problem. I think they did a fine job. They let him go, respected his wishes. You know, they've given him weapons in the past, whatnot. But to just say, you know what, I don't think you were much of a winner. We're gonna go get another winner, who, who's 43. You know, so it's not like it's a youth thing or a mobility thing we just want a winner and you weren't one. And I mean, technically rivers wasn't a winner. He didn't win a super bowl, but that just seems like such a slap
2: in the face. I'm so glad they didn't go and get Brady. So another key thing here is the Colts don't have a number 13 pick anymore. They don't have a first round pick. Yeah, that's a good point. So, uh, takes them out of the Jordan love sweepstakes and the Raiders are probably out. They have Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. I doubt they want to add a rookie to that mix in the first round. That would just be weird. Uh, Chicago, uh, I yeah, because they got Foles. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so weird.
3: the The fact that their quarterback competition is going to be Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles like it's there's no way that's going to end well.
2: Oh, uh, that's so funny. Um, but then you've got the Panthers have Teddy Bridgewater that they just paid big money for. So, I mean, the only teams you really got to compete with anymore are like Miami and Cincinnati. And so, I mean, you might see Jordan Love fall in this draft. You might see Justin Herbert fall in this draft. Totally. Don't, n- neither of those guys might be taken in the top 15 anymore because everybody went and overpaid for a quarterback or traded for a quarterback. Cam Newton is still on the market. Man, there's a lot of options here. And, you know, who knows? Maybe Cam Newton is still on the market. Maybe he's released at that point. And, you know, if you don't get your guy, you go go get Cam Newton. I would rather have Tyrod. But, I mean, if that's the route they want to go, then Cam Newton is available. That's an option on the table. Um, it is a little weird that they ordered a physical for Cam Newton, by the way, that they requested a physical from the Panthers and then said, no, we're good. That might mean something is still wrong with Cam Newton's ankle or shoulder that might've failed a physical there. Mm, So because I think it was like six hours earlier, they had requested a physical along with the new England Patriots. And then, you know, six hours later, the Chargers are like, Nope, we're out. We don't want a veteran quarterback. We're good with Tyrod Taylor. So that's interesting. That is definitely interesting. But uh, like you
1: said, they might just be smoke screening so they can cut them and then take them.
2: Yeah. I mean, it might be the case. And like I said, I'm, I'm more of a Tyrod Taylor and a QB at six fan, but if you want to go the route of taking cam Newton and building an offense around him, then I I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I'm not a huge fan of it. I, like I said, I'm love at six has kind of been my thing all, all off season. So, I mean, I, I would feel kind of empty there, but I'm, I'm I'm okay with cam Newton, but
3: yeah, it's, you know, Daniel Popper tweeted out that the Chargers have around $9 million in cap space left. Um, well, they have more than that, but they have to sign the draft picks and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know if Cam Newton would take $9 million for a couple of years to to maybe do, you know, kind of a rejuvenate his career. Um, but that does leave the Chargers with some good space to maybe go sign someone, uh, maybe like a Jason Peters or, or someone like a cheap linebacker type deal where they can take a, a swing at a, a, a cheap veteran. But that also means that they have space to sign to bring back Adrian Phillips or Damian Square and some other guys like that. So it'll be really interesting to see where the team sits in the next few days after uh, free
1: agency kind of wraps up. Yeah, I figure that's how they'll close everything out. I think Adrian Phillips last year and maybe Trevor Williams too, they took a they took a couple days in their free agency to bring those guys back. And I'd imagine that's the same. I'm kind of still surprised Adrian Phillips hasn't found a market. Last year, he had a problem finding a market, and this offseason, no one's really picked him up. So it's kind of interesting.
2: Not a lot of teams run the scheme the Chargers do. I mean, you got the Falcons. New Orleans has Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to play that role. And so, like, Jets have Brian Poole, and they run a completely different scheme. So Adrian Phillips is a very scheme-specific player. He's homegrown, and that's why he's so good is because he understands the system and the coaches so well. He understands the team. So, I mean, would you would you call Andrew Ian Phillips like a really talented player? Because I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's like this ultra talented player. I, I wouldn't say
1: talented, but I'd say he's very versatile.
2: He's very versatile and he's very smart. And the reason he's very versatile and smart is because he's been with this scheme for a long time. So, I mean, if Atlanta inquired about him, I could see Atlanta liking him. I could see Seattle liking him. But in terms of like... Just the overall market around. I can't really see him fitting another team the way he fits with the Chargers. So I mean, Telesco might be doing what he did last season and just saying, like, you see, no other teams, like, they're not gonna, they're not gonna have you here as this p- borderline starting player. And the Chargers would have him as a borderline starter player. I mean, he basically is a starter based on his snaps. So I think that's why you still aren't seeing Adrian Phillips. He's kind of testing the market you know he he's seeing a lot of really small offers and if he's seeing so, small offers he's just going to choose to stay with the Chargers maybe the Chargers are just letting him go because they want to Sear to play that spot as he prepares to take over for the elite safety Drayshawn Jenkins um <laughs> maybe maybe they actually want Rashawn Jenkins to play that role and they want Adderley to see Otterlee to be back there you know maybe when they're talking about Rashawn Jenkins being a breakout candidate they're talking about as a dime linebacker and not as of free safety because he sucks at free safety. So <laughs> you know, Rayshon Jenkins. I you know I don't have anything against Rayshon Jenkins. I, I've I've bagged on him a lot today, but um, I actually like his skill set. I just think he's in the wrong position, and that's kind of that's kind of my, been my problem. Is they think he's an elite player at free safety. They think he's a breakout player at free safety he's not a very rangy player and he's not a very good run support free safety because his tackling in space is not ideal at all. It, it kind of, rem- he, you know, he reminds me of his Trey Boston. I think I've mentioned this before. He does remind me of Trey Boston, uh, where he can ev- occasionally give you those good reads where he will jump up and get a pick or it'll be a bad throw and he'll take advantage of it. Uh, but his, he's just not a free safety. And, um, I think he should play the nickelbacker spot that Adrian Phillips plays. And I think Nas should be back there. And that's not just because I like Nas and like I like his skill set. I genuinely think that's purely what Nasir can do. I think that his his spot, I think he was born for that role. It looked like that in the preseason too. I mean, he barely had any practice and he came out there and just balled out and looked like he could go sideline to sideline in a heartbeat. And Rayshawn Jenkins, I actually like him close to the line of scrimmage. I think he's a good player. You guys remember when they brought him sometimes up in Baltimore, when they played Baltimore, they brought him up into the linebacker spot sometimes when they yeah. wanted to put like Jaleel or Derwin James back there at free safety. And he looked good in that role. And so I like Rayshon Jenkins closer to the line of scrimmage. They I think they played it a little bit with him when one of the safeties got injured. I don't remember who, I think it was against Detroit when Adrian Phillips got hurt. Um, I can't remember, or was it Roger Teamer? I can't remember which one, but they did bring him up for like a one quarter of a game, where he played strong safety and he looked he looks good there. He he looks good at strong safety and when he's closer into the box. So that's I'm not I don't hate Rashawn Jenkins. I just think it's kind of funny because they really think he's an elite player at free safety and I don't see it. I don't see it. I think he can be an elite player he's an amazing athlete he really is I don't know if you guys have seen his vertical jumps and like he can he can run pretty fast in a straight he has some good uh change of direction not so much straight line speed so I mean I like him close to the line of scrimmage for those reasons you know if you have a good vertical and you have good change of direction you're perfect for the for the strong safety spot or for the nickel backer spot you're not perfect for playing free safety where you require more straight line speed you know where you go sideline to sideline and have that range and have that high awareness and be a sure tackler and uh, not be fooled in your pursuit against some of these angles so that these running backs are taken or some of these the speed from these running backs and I just think that's where Rayshon finds his problems and now I'm on a tangent about Rayshon freaking Jenkins so that's where we are today so just one more thing that I want to mention, we will have a mock draft coming out soon because I know a lot of people have been asking me on Twitter when I'm yeah. coming out with a with a mock draft, like more of an official one instead of just... Because I haven't really done a mock draft in a while. So the reason I'm kind of waiting on that is because we are doing one on the podcast. After we do the podcast, we will release them in more of a like a more worded format instead of just audio format. So just wait on it. We're getting to it now that free agency is like the first wave is kind of wrapped up. We'll wait a little longer because Telesco always makes those value moves a little bit later, like up to a week after. But we are getting to it. So um, just for those asking me about it, that's where we are on that. And uh, we, we just want to take free agency into qu- account. We don't want to kind of like go in blind, assuming that they're not bringing Adrian Phillips back or they're not bringing Jalen Watkins back because that's a big deal. If they don't bring either of those guys back, that might be hinting that they want an Isaiah Simmons, or maybe they want a late round safety. So we just don't know at this point. So just, just stay a little patient with me on that. I know a lot of you have been requesting it.
1: Yeah, I believe our mock draft episode is coming out March 31st. So we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. But I'm really glad we waited until after, or at least a little bit after free agency, yeah. because boy, would you have guessed Balaga, Harris, Turner, and who is it, Joseph? I mean, geez, you would have probably taken
2: some sort of depth piece somewhere. I could have guessed. I could have guessed any right tackle, but Belaga specifically, no. And I wouldn't definitely did not expect Chris Harris. That came out no, of nowhere to shocker. me. That was like, that was like three hours before the move was made. I like I saw something on Twitter, and then I got a text, and then that was me figuring out that they were interested. And then I saw a tweet about an hour after that that I shared showing that it was between the Eagles and the uh, the Chargers between, for who was getting Harris. And the Raiders were also included in that, in that run out. And I was just like, even at that point, I was still in shock. I was like, oh my God, they're really trying to get Chris Harris. And I still didn't think it was gonna happen. And so that all happened within the span of like a three hours where I found out they were interested in Chris Harris. I found out that they were actually going and making bids. I found out they were one of the front runners and then they got him. And I was just like, Holy hell. Wow. Just wow. Yeah. That one was the, the surprise of the day. I think we saw
3: the writing on the wall with a, a defensive tackle signing and a right tackle signing, but you know, Chris Harris, I, we all liked the fit and we all liked the addition, but the, the fit on the outside wasn't necessarily something that would have pointed to him necessarily coming to the Chargers. but it was, it was definitely a, a great signing. Um, I do also want to bring up that we are closer to 1,000 followers on Twitter. Um, We are going to do an Austin Eckler jersey giveaway once that happens. Um, Tyler has posted the details about that on his own personal account, and I believe he has that pinned to his profile. So you can always go back and, and look at that. But basically, if you're listening and you haven't done this already, leave us a positive review on wherever the platform that you listen to us and screenshot that and either tweet it to us or Facebook it to us, and then uh, that counts as your entry for an Austin Eckler jersey giveaway. It's free, and it's an easy chance at uh, potentially winning a jersey of your choosing of, of a great player.
1: And Let me just clarify, because I've seen this a couple of times. Please don't, in particularly in my tweet, don't just comment a positive review of, as a Twitter post. Like actually go and make a positive review on Apple Podcasts or whatever. Screenshot that review. Um, I know I think Apple Podcasts takes a little bit uh, to process their reviews or whatever. So if it doesn't show up, that's fine. Just screenshot that you actually did it and comment with that. And uh, that's it. And you're entered to win. Yeah.
3: And even if you have already done a review, um, go back and find your review and screenshot that review. Um, I don't think Apple uh, Apple Podcasts would let you... submit a second one anyway, so um, if you have already given us a review, first of all, thank you. Uh, second of all, you're, you're still eligible for the giveaway. Just screenshot
1: the review you've already done, and send it to us. And then we're also doing our Patreon giveaway. You can find the Patreon link in the Twitter handle, podcast, whatever. Um, not really sure what jersey everybody's going to want. We were intending it for it to be a big free agent signing. You have a lot to pick from. I just don't know how many people want a Balaga or Joseph or, or Harris jersey, so I don't know. I guess you can just pick and we can get another Austin Eckler one if you want. I don't care. If you win, you pick whatever you want.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So make sure you follow us on Twitter. We are getting close to a thousand followers, so make sure you do that and become eligible for the giveaways. And then um, we do appreciate any Patreon supporters out there. Um, We've done some Q&As and we've done some uh, $20 features out there recently. So we do want to give you guys a shout out. We really appreciate that support.
1: And we are getting draft grades out really soon. I mean, it's not my grades, it's Steven and Jason's grades, but we'll get those out soon to people at the 10 and $20 tiers. If you'd like those, please join. Steven and Jason, where can they find you on Twitter? So my
3: personal Twitter account is Stephen I. Haglund. Um, I do handle the podcast account, which is GAC Podcast 17, um, but feel free to follow me on either one of those.
2: You can find me at Centauri13 on Twitter, at GAC Podcast 17 on Instagram, and... Hashtag love at six and hashtag Delesco is dope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can agree with that one. Uh, everybody stay safe out there. Get your toilet paper, get your pasta and rice or whatever. Uh, this is Tyler. You can find me at Tyler J. Shun, or you can find us on Facebook to search guilty as charge podcast. Uh, follow us, leave us a recommendation. I guess Facebook does recommendations, that are reviews, whatever. Leave one of those. You can follow me on Facebook too if you want. Um, yeah like I said everybody stay safe enjoy the rest of your week and I'll see you next time
0: this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the HVAC is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces plus 24 7 customer support his venue never misses a beat